this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. That song brings back a lot of memories. Ladyboy was the track. The artist, Morris. Yes, Morris, the great, mysterious, sometimes elusive, uh, but never evasive. Morris is our guest here on the Houseless Podcast. This episode, my name is Peter Agassi, and I'm the producer and the host of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's my weekly and sometimes bi-weekly um, show, podcast. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. If you do listen to SoundCloud, please subscribe and please repost it if you can. Every episode is edited and engineered by CJ Stewart. I'm super excited about this particular episode. Um, I recorded in Los Angeles. And uh, in fact, I recorded a whole intro right before I'm um, starting this one, and I didn't uh, actually have hit the record button. So that's pretty cool. Um, but I'm not going to let that hold me back. Just like the way Phil Morris doesn't let anything keep him from 
from producing and being creative, being super progressive as far as a producer and a composer goes. Low key or high key, however you look at it, for me, this dude is one of my favorite producers, hands down. I think as far as, and I can't even attach a genre to his music. His music is genreless because the guy really, I feel like, can do just about anything. Started as a drummer in bands and like kind of post-hardcore emo bands and then not to put them on blast but i think that's amazing we talk about this stuff anyway but uh i worked with him like around 2011 to about 2014 that's when that song came out and i have a gang of material from that period of time which ultimately would be what was like considered his debut album which was called debut and before i go any further too for folks that are totally unfamiliar with his music I would recommend that uh, at some point in time, either look in my intro, because I'm going to put this in there, or you write it down with a crayon or a pencil. Uh, his band camp, BCMG, Bear Club Music Group, which is something he's had for a long time, dot band camp. So you can dig in because there's a gang of stuff. Both of his work, solo, but as a producer as well, and for other people, in particular, and I would really recommend this, his work with Maal, M-A-A-L, incredible vocalist, very, very uh, diverse approach. So they have a record, an album, rather, that came out called Good Morning, I Love You, very recently. I'm going to close the show out with uh, one of my favorite songs of, of late, called Too Chill. It's right up my alley, produced by Morris. So I met him back then, some time ago. And I've always just really dug his style. He's very um, modest as far as his what he can do talent-wise. I think he's never really gotten a ton of uh, press for whatever ridiculous reason. But what was funny about this particular trip when I was in L.A. is I walked into Burger Records in Fullerton, California, where I was going to actually record another episode. And... Um, Lo and behold, I look at this uh, coffee table, and there is a stack of L.A. record uh, magazines, zines, uh, with Morris on the on the damn cover. And I was uh, elated um, and excited. And uh, I took a picture, I sent it to him, and then I think I went over to his house the next day. And this is the conversation that we had, um, which I'm right about to share. Again, if this is your first time listening... Thank you so much. There's a lot of really great conversations with a lot of different kinds of artists. So feel free to go back and check them out. If you got some extra time on your hands, man, you know, you're going on a walk, a uh, plane. It's really good on a plane. It's really good in a train. The House's Podcast and Peter Agassin is my name. Every episode produced by CJ Stewart. There is a donation thing in the SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com backslash the House's Podcast. Drop a little... Two dollars, two or three dollars, that's all I need to help because this is a uh, listener supported podcast. You know, uh, there's no corporate backing, there's no Masonic um, or Red Pill uh, backing here. So it's just me and CJ and then my guest, just like Morris, who's absolutely incredible. In fact, I bought To Chill, the song that I'm going to play at the end, I bought it, download, bought it off that Bandcamp, BCM. G. Dot Bandcamp. Um, and used it for the intro. I don't need to get it for free. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyway, incredible producer. Dig your uh, dig your heels deep into the catalog. Binge it. 
and uh, I think you'll really like it. It's not like many other people whatsoever. It definitely touches on a lot of different kinds of genres and uh, super talented. So I really enjoy talking to him. We basically just talk about his life. So if you're already a fan or familiar with his work, you're definitely in for a treat. And thank you for seeking this out. And big up to you. You got great taste if you're uh, if you're already hip to Morris. And hopefully some of you will uh, engage with his music after this conversation. So shout out to all y'all. Much love. And let's just jump right into this. With my dude, finally, Morris. On the Houseless Podcast. Check it out. Ciao. So, you know, serendipitously, I walked into this record store and um, <laughs> and I saw this very familiar face um, that I hadn't seen in a while. And last time I saw you had blonde hair, you <laughs> <know>? <laughs> which was actually you were kind of like pretty, you know, for, like- for this third wave of that stylistically like you're way way (laughs) kanye and and frank yeah tyler etc yeah the wave pharrell yeah it's like four years on but that's beside the point (laughs) i I was genuinely surprised for a lot of reasons one because because physically i was like wait i said i know that dude and plus you sort of looked like your like high school pictures yeah in a way yeah but beyond that is that the name I saw, it was just Morris on the yeah. thing, which was the name that I, that's what I kind of first, a version of it is what I first kind of came, came to know. Yeah. yeah. But then for a while it was P. Morris. Totally. Right. You kind of watched the circle come back around, literally. Yeah, because the first Morris had like the triangle. Yeah, for, the dollar sign. And the dollar sign. Et cetera. Towards the time. Yeah. I always thought that. Um, your full first name was, uh, and your full name in general would have been, an, is still an incredible performance. Name. <laughs> Do you not agree? <laughs> no, I think it's too much. Yeah. How do you, can you just, since people don't really know it, maybe that one, what is, tell me, how do you pronounce your first name again? My first name is Feliciano. Come on. Yeah. And, well, do you have a middle name? Yeah, Feliciano Marcel Canty. Oh, that's, yeah. It's, that's great. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little. It definitely though. has a slightly different connotation than Morris. I thought people might try and put me together with Pharrell too much because the PH, you know. Oh uh, yeah, it, it crossed my mind like, uh, like early, you know. Right. But so I was genuinely surprised because I hadn't talked to you or seen any new music myself in a while, mm-hmm. and I was so. And then you know, some years back, not that long ago, maybe five years back or something like that, I was so. Um, I felt I was so immersed in the music that was in on debut mm-hmm. uh, because I had seen a lot of like the demo versions. I've seen it get to a certain place and that the way you frame that release as like one continue. It was like also continuous mix. Was that also like the subtitle? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty Something much. Like that? Yeah. I put out two versions. One was a continuous mix for like people who were tuned into that wave, you know. Right. And then I put out a version like I think ultimately on Bandcamp that was track by track for oh, people right. who wanted to hear just like song based right, right. stuff you know but it was so such a musical anomaly at that time <laughs> i feel like yeah now i may have been like only focused on stuff that i was working on too and and you know you can only pick and choose so many things like as a musical just as a fan yeah. too but pound for pound in my humble opinion <laughs> i felt like uh and i'm low-key trying to beat you up as well no nah, i appreciate but, it yeah because i love your music and shit and i was and i thought that that was a really slept on project i really appreciate it i think you're totally right it's still like completely slept on but it's fine like you're listen when you listen to that record you're listening to someone kind of like rage against what i thought was like the status quo at that point which was like uh 
the ultimate computer music. It didn't take any musicality. It didn't take anything other than kind of like a social media prowess or presence to like right. be on. And I was suddenly like grouped into other artists who that was our only common thread was that we were both online. There wasn't like right. the, the things that I held sacred about making music and listening to music, just like music operating on that level of like musicality with the strings and breakdowns, modulations, key changes, these types yeah. of things. These are what I liked, and I like to hear those type of artists like bust through. But I looked on the my incoming class. I looked around, right. and all these guys were just like what I thought were kind of like lazy. So mm-hmm. debut and those types of songs were me attempting to kind of like get at something that I felt was more like sacred or something about make making music. And right. you were hearing like revisions, which for me is what it took to get to like that really refined like place or something. Right. Well, there's you, a lot of stuff going on in those songs too. For sure. You know, it didn't come second nature to me though. So I had to kind of okay. like really, it was like a, a prod process of sculpture where I would have these huge blocks and then kind of like whittle away at it right. and get it down to what you kind of like heard, you know? So... Yeah, because it's like operatic, yeah. um, but it was like this kind of future, this is weird um, interpretation of like future R&B. The, rap the, is there, you know, rap is at the party. You know? Right, right. But oh, your sense is, your, the approach to like vocal samples and stuff, I think was pretty innovative at that time. Yeah. Super sped up, but not like in the traditional Kanye or sense. Or Just Blaze. Yeah. yeah, that's more... That was coming more from sampling 45s or something like yeah. that, you know, sampling vinyl. Yours was this different, almost like uh, anime yeah. vibe or yeah, something. It was my attempt to be more musical. I would right. be like sort of bending syllables and things like this. Right. I would allow the vocal to be maybe more of a yeah, melodic thing than like this, I don't know. Uh, sample just like traditional sample sense right <laughs> you know with the chipmunk thing I mean looking back at that though do you think that knowing that we already kind of acknowledged it was, it was generally slept on do you think people got where, what, where you were coming from I think the, the, a few people did and those few uh, even fewer of those people were like producers at that time and they took the best of what I was doing and became very successful artists using like really? portions of that sound um, just the whole vibe. I think the people who were smart enough to capitalize on that energy did, and it really didn't take very long for the men to be separated from the boys, in a sense, you know. Like as far as producers, yeah, right? for sure. Like right. there was, I mean, that music was made for sure. Like I said, me sort of resisting what I thought was kind of like the status quo. But when it came down to it, it was also me slap boxing with people who were in a very close proximity to me, thanks to the internet. You know, people who I was sharing music with on the internet, people I was suddenly sharing backstages with, right. uh, thanks to bookings and things like right. this. Like this, there was a closed system and I know who was invited to that party. Right. And I watched those people sort of, like I said, take the best of what we were all kind of contributing to mm-hmm. and polish that down into something that like ultimately like is a soundtrack of like commerce and like a soundtrack mm-hmm. of people's lives at this point you know it's right well it's, those things are kind of now seamlessly meshed together for sure we're so uh, such a consumer this is pre instagram though right. slightly but the that that some vestiges of that sound that was going on on soundcloud etc got pulled into that right you know like it wouldn't even just some even as high as someone like diplo took parts of what we were all kind of contributing to in that moment and used that uh 
to you know uh, brand himself as like this future artist you know a future right. producer rather than right. like the traditional Mark Ronson model like this guy's got his ear to the ground so he can bring a dude like Cashmere Cat or Ryan Hemsworth or a Morris and, uh-huh. and it would kind of gives him this like edge you know right so like I said these people some folks were able to grab parts of that and use it to get to where they are today and that's so, awesome so yeah i guess so i mean that's relative but i'm like i'm a i'm a like a mood ring like i i shift okay. like a lot and it's have a very mercurial approach to like making music okay it just changes my attitude so like while people were able to get really fixated on parts of that and, and especially so once there was money involved I, I didn't really have any hesitation just trying to pivot to the next thing you know mm-hmm. and it was right when i was moving to los angeles which is a perfect place for a reinvention i think through right. history a lot of artists like come to la searching for like kind of what their new feeling was like steely dan comes to mind like a lot of people just right it, it's the backdrop of of a reinvention so i've seen a lot of new yorkers come to to la and try to um you know start their second chapter of their career or whatever and um then there's always that kind of push and pull with the native musicians of la but you know the native sons of this town too for sure it's a kind of a very competitive place to work out of, right? Would you say? Absolutely. Right. It's kind of chill, and because you don't really see the the sharks like swimming every day. Right. But you're an artist, so but you've coexisted with some of the industry in this town, and it's a very in, industry based town. Yeah. You know the Hollywood kind of who you know uh, shit. Oh yeah, for the entourage sure. kind of lifestyle yeah, as I, I mean, described earlier. Fuck boys. And yeah, all that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Ad nauseum. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> so you moved here from Kansas, though, right? For sure. From Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, I lived there for like probably six, seven years or something like that. I guess actually more like five years, really, before I moved here. Oh, okay. So for college or something. Yeah, or? I lived there. Yeah, I guess off and on for about seven years, but five years in, for sure for college. You know, right. and then. I didn't finish because the calls started kept coming, you know. So when I first Cali. connected with you, then I'm wondering if you were. I was on my way out of college. Like I think wow. maybe there was the semester before I dropped out or something like this. You know, it would okay. have been 2012, 2011, early 2012. That was yeah. when I dropped out. So. So what you have like a crew of dudes there too, right? Yeah, totally. Well, not I did at that point, not so much anymore. You know, it's, it's a college all disbanded. Now. I mean, yeah, they're not there anymore. Oh yeah, well the homies, yeah, we're still thick, but it's like in terms of our presence in Lawrence, it's not like it was then. Well, yeah, that's college town for you too. They kind of shift with the as the as the uh, students shift and graduate out and stuff. For right? sure, like every four years or right. some shit like this, right. completely recycles. So, what was that group called? The we Goombas. Were, yeah, we were the Goombas and Team Bear Club. Oh yes, group. Team Bear Club. Yeah, yeah. Are, you know we still fly the freak flag. That's still uh-huh. the label that I, I put all my music out on for the most part. Oh really? Aside from like oh, cool. you know occasional one-off licensing situation or something like right. this. It's so a peace of mind that I can always just like put out music without having to deal with the above said. West Side Fuckboys, etc. Like that, right. I kind of take my music outside of that uh, rat race as much as possible. Right. And I think Bear Club lets me do it, but obviously it has its trade offs in terms of like visibility. But I right, think right. operating at that level of kind of like, I don't even know. It just it makes it easier for me to like create at this point. You Wait, know, is that like where you think you like kind of got your creative production chops and stuff like? Because it sure. seems, uh, it's hard to figure out where, in my reference point, being debut. So, mm-hmm. I mean, eventually I want to get to whatever you're doing right now, too, mm-hmm. because that would be interesting to see what the the evolution. Dark, yeah, yeah. But because it was informed by something that's kind of hard to put your finger on, the music for debut, like Lady Boy, and sure. like, these are these, like, 
kind of broad sweeping thing like vibes but there's also uh and like i had mentioned before like wanting to name drop songs of that era bliss vents <laughs> and the joint uh there's a bunch of joints there's stuff that dabbles like in the kind of um almost like uh very rough raw like um new york house type shit yeah. which i think maybe i'm trying to remember which one that was the quick cash definitely yes, grabbed, quick like cash. i think i brought like chords from like Todd Terry or something What's the, yeah the turtle what was the, the turtle, turtle lounge yeah yes yeah yeah but also then like um uh you know th- there's a bunch of stuff that was way more sort of not new age but like um it's just ambient or something yeah but there's like a funk to it yeah too. I can only do it my way you but know? <laughs> was that informed from living in the midwest I mean where did you where do you what I think, were your in, I guess this is such a generic question but I'd just be curious where you picked those kind of uh, production influences of that I think that there was a very particular period in my life between maybe 2001 and 2005 right. where I was really really clued in to like a wave of music that was I was I don't know where it was coming from but it was made available to me via Soul Seek and so like oh, yes. I that wave of artists like being able to kind of like go through folders and finding out about Stereo Lab and Matthew Herber and Jazanova and right, whatever right. whatever Kruder and Dorfmeister whatever you right. know like all of these things uh, I kind of became familiar with mm-hmm. like in a time where I had the patience and the availability to kind of like check out a bunch of new music, you know? Sure. So like, I think it left a, an imprint on me. So like, just my natural inclination is to be very reactionary. Like, my, I don't really, I don't exist in a vacuum. So like, when it became time to me, for me to come up with this front-facing persona for my art, because people are calling on this guy, Morris, to like, put out music and appear at these fucking things. My guy, like, the person that I became is like, like I said... I'm like the resistance like I notice that these guys only make music with their computer but yet I'm familiar with all of this shit I can like call these things these things are relatively at my command I can pull from all of these different eras when it's time for me to produce so I made that literally my thing like it was like I couldn't I couldn't do anything else but just like rage against the machine and it came off in this very like dandy chill way you know but in in my mind like I'm actually kind of like slap boxing with like a lack of musicality like there's really no other way for me to like right. put it but as time went on you, you like the availability of resources that i had in that point in time like was like through the roof like i had like all sorts of studios people are calling me i got the players in lawrence elsewhere oh, so, so just like piecing together string sections horn sections things like this became really like easy for me but how does that access come people just start hearing the shit and reaching out yeah yeah totally i think i i made a connection with the homie maki uh who, oh, yes. who lived out here at that point so and for people that don't know who that is maki is from canada uh-huh. a grammy award nominated he came back uh he came through with like feist and like gonza right. gonzalez and peaches and these kind of guys and uh as a songwriter yeah as a producer as well oh, okay. jimmy liddell like he's, oh, cool. he's like that those are Jane Birkin, like he he right. runs kind of thick with these kind of like singer songwriter types, you know. But he also has like a really crazy musical ear, like he's like more of a Gil Evans kind of like guy. Oh, cool. has this very grand scope of music. So when he heard my music, he also kind of understood where I was coming right. from. Because honestly, he came from 
making beats in Berlin with on right. computers and doing all this shit and came to LA and reinvented himself as this kind of like Gil Evans Cole Porter type right. character so right. also coming into contact with young a younger form of myself bringing those qualities to the table he recognized what was going on and made some of those tools available to me right. so that brought me really closer to that sound ultimately doing like 12 13 hour sessions with him with string sections and right. horn sections and just like cheap music like literally in studios here in LA oh yeah, yeah. we did a, a really really epic session at this place called Perfect Sound uh-huh. and it's like I think we split a 13 hour day where 7 hours were his and 7 hours were mine and like we just co-arranged each other's shit oh. and oh. he like I said he had like a bunch of players come through so it was like easy for me to piggyback off that session and that's a, amazing a lot of the that music is the horns uh, strings that you hear all over debut like I was able to kind of like oh, cool. s- seamlessly put that together right. in some cases I even took out the original kind of like midi strings that I were in revisions that you right. probably heard mm-hmm. and just dropped these guys in there you know dope, dope. so it was he was able to make that possible so like even like when you hear that type of music you just know it sounds expensive it's luxurious but it's yeah. someone who has like time and resources on their hands it's right. like I, I feel happy having taken advantage of it because I don't know that I always have it now like, right but back in college were you like did you try to make beats like hip hop beats or something yeah well I was always making rap beats were so, you so the, 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 the backbone was like the slap aspect of all of that right. was always like drum there. programming and yeah stuff. exactly like that was I was getting that tool sharp from get go, like I played drums and stuff. Yeah, and now I'm trying to lead into that because your drumming is from a totally different genre too. It's true, like, but it was like in, at that moment, like the cats that I was drumming with, they were like, "Yo, this guy's like a sampler. Like he sounds like a guy who makes beats, Dumped. you know." But it was indie rock music, you right. know. But and that was their only context for someone with that much kind of like feel and right. almost no. I don't even know what you call it. That's like indie, ro- that punk rock acumen. You know, I didn't come up in those venues. That right. They respected, etc. You know, but right. I so there's something. There is a there is something similar between your your history as a rock drummer, yeah. and this kind of composer based like producer music and stuff, where you're kind of dissimilar from your contemporaries. Yeah, is that an accurate? Thing. For sure. I was an outsider amongst other drummers. What was the band called again? We were called the Je ne sais quoi. Uh-huh. The Je ne sais quoi's for sure. And it was kind of cool. I mean, like, I played in a bunch of bands, but that was did the you? one that kind of like. Because you did some shows too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we went on tour and shit. It was like I a mid an tour. album. You gave me an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Or something, or a line yeah, like for an EP. a yes. I think it was an EP right. um, that we recorded like in Kansas City or something. That was like yeah. the biggest that we I'd ever balled in terms of like a recording at that point, you know? Where did you record that? Um, It was at this guy named Mike. Nolte's house but he had like a like a really nice SSL board in his like, place like right. he like he, he balled I don't even know how he did it but right. in Kansas City I guess you can do it right. he's part of like like a really popular Midwest band called Ghosty so like we okay. also got the kind of like street creds you know ha- yeah. him having produced our like shittily recorded recorded record right. and shit you got that co-sign from him I think he even gave us a microphone Oh, he cool. gave us a microphone in that session because we were just like such broke boys, right. and I still carry that microphone. Like really? I have that shit to this day. Everything so. my dude Malagumba and I have recorded, yes. I recorded with him on that microphone. Like oh. it's been in part of like custody battles and shit like that. So. Is it like a sentimental thing, or is it just that good of a mic for you? It's just the one. Right. Like <laughs> it's just the one now. Right. Like 
If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So where you where were you born? Because you weren't born in the Midwest. I was so. born in Topeka, Kansas, actually. Were you? I was oh, born in Topeka. But then I moved like pretty quick. I moved to Dallas, Texas. Right. And then I moved to... Did you live in D.C.? I, I lived in D.C., yeah. And I still kind of still do, you know? Like right. my family's situated there. But that was until like the late 90s. Okay. I, I lived in Texas. Then I moved to Philly. Uh-huh. And then I lived in Chicago. And then I moved back to Kansas. Wow. And then, yeah, my dad moved to D.C. Was it Army? Was he Army guy? Well, he was, but he'd already gotten out of the Army, by the, or the uh, Marines, rather, by the time that I was, like, came onto the scene. Oh, so really? he was just, like, doing radio at that point. Right. And radio, just being at that point, it was, like, took him all over the place. As a radio DJ? Yeah, yeah. for sure. And what years are we talking there? Just... Talking about 89 to 94, 95, 96. Amazing. Yeah, Jack the Rapper era. Like, this kind of, like... Did he go? Yeah, <laughs> so, so he was like a mixed DJ, like a, well, he was the, he was actually a, the, he had enough swag to be the radio personality. Oh. So like he was the personality, but like at the crib, yeah, one hundred percent the DJ DJ. Like oh, really? he, was, he was DJing at home. Yeah, that's his thing. Yeah, for sure. And huh. his reach was pretty broad. Like I literally remember the day he brought home "Dolly My Baby" by uh-huh. Supercat. Yes. Yeah, it was like he would get obsessed with these tunes and kind of like run them back to back. Remember, we were one year actually we went to Jamaica on a family trip, and he took us to all these fucking record stores Dope. looking for this forty five of Uptown Top ranking, which at that point I didn't even really I wasn't like. Right. This is like 97 or something, 96 right. or some shit. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> but uh, parts of this might kind of inform what, what I got going on now, just in terms of like cult, like listening habits and shit like this, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, he sounded like, uh, obviously, He's a lot. Moonlighting as a, as a radio personality, but he's really a DJ. Right, you right. Know? So, did you ever listen to him on on terrestrial radio? Like, yeah. did you remember in the car or something like yeah, that? Yeah, the glow wore off kind of with that, like, early, though, because he was always, like, the dude. Like, he did, like, afternoon drive for, like... So, in what market? I mean, in all of those markets I mentioned earlier. Syndicated but, or something. But he, like. he was just, like... He never really did the syndicated okay. thing, but he was always, just like, the local guy, you know? Yeah. Like, he, his biggest, like, probably claim to fame is that he was involved in a big ratings war with Big Tigger, who... Big Tigger obviously moved on and did the BET. Yes. So this the is in D.C. This is in D.C., right. yeah. It, obviously, BET was based in D.C. Right. during some of these years, like, 96, 99, 2000 right. kind of era. Yeah. So, he... Uh, that's probably what he would be known for ratings wise or like nationally or something like what that. What was his station? Do you remember? Um he was on the opposite station. He was in ninety three point nine, uh right. which is like, you know, an esteem station in DC. It's the first black owned radio station. Oh, cool. I think maybe nationwide. And Kathy oh, wow. Hughes, the owner, went on to become this mogul who owns like uh T V network. She owns like the one network and all this oh, shit. Oh wow. So it's like So that was his boss then. Probably. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. She, she's owned like I think a bunch of stations is it that he had worked at before that even. Because right. she's like urban radio like uh pioneer like yeah. under her really? i think they they created like the quiet storm genre like she was really? the, she oversaw quite the birth of quiet storm wow. in dc in like wow. the late 80s or some shit like that you know incredible it's like on her station you know yeah but tigger meanwhile worked at the white station that's owned by cbs but yeah. traditionally they had like a little bit more of a kind of like open format like like right. a lot of pop stuff would sure. like make it onto there now more than ever so it kind of gave them an edge but right. 93.9 the station my dad worked for was the people station yes in the chocolate city no less so it's like it yes. took no it's obvious who was the, the victor in yeah. dc so, fuck yeah, the I mean, ratings right absolutely. <laughs> he gave them a run for their money i'm sure you feel so, me yeah You're right yeah he definitely did tigger yeah. obviously did tv he moved on to do that shit but right, right. my dad stayed in maryland and kept 
What was his DJ? Did he have a name? Yeah, yeah. His his name was Easy Street. And he's not on the the radio anymore. Now my little sister literally took his spot. No, really? She is now does fucking radio at the same fucking station. No way. She's 21. And she's like... A running shit. That's tough. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, it's a radio thing over there. So okay, so like this is obviously somewhat of a musical household, then yeah, I, I guess, right? Yeah, he's bringing records home. Yeah, for sure. And he's so like, Phil, you should check this shit out. You might like this. I'm just hearing it through the wall. I can't get away from the shit. Right. You know, like he's he's listening to this, the shit on loop on some some cases. You know, we just keeps running it back. Right. Right. But your sensibility musically must be then somewhat different. If you you seem like a true individual, you know, yeah. Even compared to like your contemporaries here, I think. I mean, I don't know because you're not. You're kind of coming from somewhere else. You're informed differently. I would think because especially if you went and started playing in like sort of midwestern rock. This is what they're presenting me with for sure. Like I'm hearing the chronic, (laughs) fucking illmatic. I'm hearing. Public Enemy like shit like yeah. Ice Cube those first couple Ice Cube records yeah. like I'm hearing this shit all that shit like crazy this yeah, is it's my like parents. the golden age of hip hop you know but it's also the golden age of like Nirvana yeah. and like uh, all sorts of shit like I'm right. I'm really really into rock music I'm really into MTV at this point point. Right. and it's like my gateway drug into like this whole other culture that really is kind of like forbidden in my crib because right. we're like black Muslims at this point like really? just very like Kind of conservative in that sense, militant, militant. Like really? my my for my first kindergarten, I was Malcolm X. Wow! I remember that year we got like we went to, like we went trick or treating for for Halloween, uh-huh. um, and I someone gave me a fucking gun, and I remember it was like a really big deal. My dad like put it in my hand. And he was like, "Did you have a choice, son? What are you gonna do?" And I threw it in the trash. And he gave me the biggest hug of my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He like so that. someone, you as a child, someone handed you like a, a an gun. actual uh, it was toy. Sweet. It was a It was like a candy or some shit. Like, or like right, or right. amongst candy, something like this. You know? Symbolically. You yeah, threw, I threw this away. Yeah. It's sort of conflicted because it seems like Malcolm would have sided with the gun over someone like Martin. But either way. Perhaps at a certain period of time in his life. I mean, he had a very... Yeah, uh, rebirth post-Mecca. Yes. Yeah. It's funny, on my way here to L.A., on my flight here, I watched X, oh. which was on my flight. I watched it probably for the 50th time. That's you know? amazing. It's an incredible film. Yeah. One of the greatest films. It's definitely Spike Lee's greatest Yeah, it's work. like his magnum opus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's an amazing um, film. I mean... In many many ways, we had the the giant. We had the uh, the VHS. It came on two fat ass VHSs yeah. with the VX on it. Yeah, <laughs> and even the marketing was pretty brilliant. But I mean, yeah. we took off school. I got my parents to watch it. Yeah, amazing for sure. My dad wept in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wept on the plane there. I mean, it's, it's hard crazy. not to. Yeah, I mean, and Denzel Washington is like transcends the character yeah you know, too. it's amazing it's also like a pretty amazing the story of how it was it made. made yeah because he didn't have the loot yeah a lot of people chipped in at the end yeah a lot of um, celebrities yeah for sure Oprah stuff. and all those cats like Michael Jordan and yeah. Bill Cosby and, it's kind of uh, cool yo it is very cool it's yeah cool. to save something like that but pre-Black Panther obviously where you know they can get it like a studio behind something like that you know yeah it's a very different era for Hollywood yeah and you know, it's just a different era, like for pop culture too. For sure, seems like it was a more uh, things could be more more serious content could be presented to the public for cons- public consumption. I mean, I hate all of those words for sure, but that now things seem very much more treacherous. As yeah, far as like how what 
the people are presented with. For sure. Well, it, at least with that film, it was right on time, just because you know of course. the riots and all this shit. It was like yeah. a very tumultuous moment for like racial history or some shit. Right. I mean, it opens with the riots. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Does it really? Yeah. It open the opening like, scene. Like a, it's like is, a montage or something. It's just a silent. If I'm not mistaken, it's the silent replaying of that news footage of, of not the riots but of Rodney King oh okay the, the incident with the LAPD uh-huh. and Rodney King and being sidebar being here what I've learned to the, the LAPD not to try to like you know but there's all types <laughs> of scandals with the LAPD yeah. here the sheriff and stuff I think is incarcerated and yeah so LAPD is anyway. no joke but yeah they they're also fuck shit <laughs> how is how is your time living what's what's it been like for you like living here in LA <laughs> I haven't had any run-ins with them yet, so that's been chill. Uh, just but even, like, with the music and stuff, you know, and just your your take on it, because you're kind of, you're an East Coast kid, you're a Midwest yeah. kid. I think I pulled up on, you know, L.A. at, like, a really strange time, right. because, like, right around 2012, 2013, when it became clear that I needed to kind of, like, leave Kansas, uh, like, right then it wasn't still quite as, like... LA wasn't quite as hot as it is right now, you right. know? And it seemed like there was something kind of, like, vital going on over here with, like, the music scene. Right. Like, people had successfully piggybacked from, like, the Beat era, Flying Lotus, Slow In Theory, Sam I Am, into the We Did It, Slow Mo's. Like, there was a wave here. Right. And I was, like, watching it, you know, I, I flew out here and did a couple of shows, and I did My Boiler Room, and I saw right. Falcons and, like, all this, like, this new wave of electronic music that was happening, Sinjin Hawk, et cetera. Like, okay, cool. But I feel like right around the time that I pulled up here, it really started to evaporate. And the only thing that really, like, I guess the only thing that really popped up were, like, uh, the gentrified aspects. Like, that really? that aspect of, like, my life became more apparent, you know? Right. Like, I, it seemed like L.A. was, like, mad real when I first moved here. Right. And now it seems like L.A. artists are kind of, like, on the decline, the sound, the way our contribution just in general over really? here. Really? seems like it's on the way out but i do see more of like kind of like uh non-artist like i don't even know like i just especially just in my hood like highland park right that area used to be just like all artists it seemed like i would walk down the street and those would be the only people i'd bump into and now right. it's like the only people who can afford to be there and they're disappearing from there too it's yeah. expensive as hell right it's a thing yeah. it's a thing so i don't know if the, I, i'm kind of framing this in a way where they're like linked and i don't know if there's actually like a correlation here sure but i i definitely have seen like yeah just the wave sort of quieted down like a little bit not right. that it's stopped me at all like i'm not really like Contributing to that in a, in an overt sense in any way, right. but I, it seems like I though I have watched just sort of the decline in what used to be like L.A. culture or whatever the sound right. it's like seems like it's buffering. It's like now loading. Like what is it? You right. know, like almost like those indie rock dudes have like more of a headlock on what could possibly be the L.A. sound right now. Interesting, like, like Mac DeMarco and these like wavy, sure, like kind of like soft rock dudes. I think these dudes are probably closer to having the LA sound right now in some ways That's than any. Very producer. good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, things go in weird cycles too, especially in a town like this. I feel like. Um, well, they moved in from the Lord knows where, Portland, and they brought right. their fucking guitars. The dudes right. at the turntables moved. I don't know where they're at. Like right. maybe to <laughs> Berlin or something like that. Yeah, or, exactly. Or yeah, um, South America maybe. I don't know, but yeah. It's funny because there was an era in LA that was like the 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 real traditional indie rock uh, era of like the late '90s, early 2000s, which is you know totally 
disbanded in a way too like guitar rock yeah, like that's like more like aggressive male bro like guitar rock corn from here yes yeah well, they're from bakersfield but it's like right. that, that all metal sound red hot chili peppers and shit right it's yeah. all here you know yes <laughs> yeah the, the giants of that genre are, are really like i mean there's a lot of like even if you go look at like you know the kind of orange county like pop punk yeah um, no doubt now you see sublime yo yes you Sugar know. Ray, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Black Flag, and of course, yeah. I mean, there's a whole lineage of stuff. I don't know. I mean, we could riff off that for a while, but um, so I would love to kind of figure out since I I've lost it for better or worse, not for better, for lack of a better word, rather, yeah. I kind of lost track with what what you've been doing since debut, and the fact that I walk up into a record store in Fullerton, in Orange <laughs> County, and then you're you know mug is on the cover of a magazine <laughs> and uh i, I was just like i was pleasantly taken aback by it so obviously that's for a reason yeah same i was like pretty shook too like i, <laughs> I saw right. the, you sent me a picture i was like whoa who's that guy <laughs> <laughs> right no but for real for real like i said i like when i moved out here i didn't really realize it but i was like over not over the sound but just like that feeling of just like being in competition or something like that right i was really over that Right. And I realized that what needed to be my motivator in terms of like what was making me move as an artist or driving my output or whatever needed to be something that was like more based on expertise. It was like less okay. reactionary and more like based on me focusing on the best that I could possibly do given a certain set of tools. Okay. And so then I started isolating what those tools were. It was like, okay, well, uh, people are able to make beats using just a computer and mm-hmm. Just a 404, or just Ableton and uh, XYZ MIDI controller, or right. just there's all these uh, different configurations of processes that I t- became determined to kind of like tackle, you know, right, right. rather than being like Mr. Musical or tr- more, I guess probably even a more succinct way to put it was that like, you know, I'm seeing bigger crowds than I've ever seen. I'm playing these huge fucking shows. Like I remember the FK Twigs tour being like a really big turning yes. point for oh, me, yes. right? Like like live because I'm this guy struggling to really figure out how to display what I do. Well, with, I remember that small... being a talking point even when we were doing the shows, like how to translate this music into a live. Because thing. this is someone who has to ha- maintain a small footprint yes. in order to, but at the same time demonstrate a very loud, a, lo- a large sound. Yeah, and that's. A very understated right. concept. It kind of gets lost when you just DJ it. You You're know? absolutely right. correct. Just seeing th- that large sound get transmitted from a laptop, there's like a communication disconnect. Like the right. brain sees it, and they may acknowledge the expertise that it took to create that music, but it's still not satisfying to like watch. Right. And so, like, I just was in front of these really huge crowds, and I was realizing that the music was really cold. It wasn't. It was mm. lacking in any sort of emotional sense because right. I'm not able to demonstrate it in a live sense. One, but right. two, because it's like this very laborious music of a lot of edits. It's like a, mm. it's any sort of feeling that might have been there effectively gets massaged when you're away when you're talking about revising right. something that as many times as I had to in order to get it to sound right and so I just started really focusing like I said on making music with processes that were different and unfamiliar one but two things that they were able to get at like really quickly like mm-hmm. feelings that I were able to like so okay. for better for worse I think my output a lot of the time now kind of goes under the radar because it's very impulsive it's like me sort of chasing down uh that feeling right then and I get over with it and I don't really try and get stressed about putting through any traditional system to Does it come out? Yeah, it comes out. Like I put it on Bandcamp and shit like this. Okay. 
I think the so last that's the main just quick way. just quick as possible okay. because like I said it's like if I get too caught up in all of the revision and I start thinking about it it can become this very labored over overly produced mess right. and like I realized somewhere along the way that that wasn't really like Although I was capable of doing that, and it's a muscle that I like to keep sharp, right. it's not something that I can like. I can't expect to keep up with anything right. <laughs> if, if that's suddenly the goal is to always be like on a Hans Zimmer level of like expression. <laughs> like it's just like right. it's totally feasible, especially if the right tools are there. But I, I felt myself just kind of getting away from myself in a sense when I knew that like a guy like Madlib could like make you feel like a whole arrangement of things just using SP4-4 2 and some records you know right, right. or this niggas like sampling fucking sticks together like and sampling oh, yeah. you know what I mean I think Timbaland was, was very popular for that just like cause he can't I don't think he traditionally play it. Ah! they'd just be like that and then like yeah you know, yo a million ways. yo it's it's possible it's yes so, of course I, I'm I'm more content indulging that side right. and I think that it comes kind of part and parcel with this very immediate feeling of like let's get it out cool I think my real outlet though for like the really musical music shit is stuff that I kind of do with Maul Maul now okay. like Maul and I have made like a lot of music together mostly in the rap tradition but somewhere along the line we learned that his voice was really what gave him like an edge so. and in order to keep us both sort of satisfied we had to kind of like get outside of like sort of our comfort zone so maybe in 2016 we got back together and we did a record that features live bass live drums strings guitar we toured together like I I think we did 14 cities on like a DIY tour really oh cool it was amazing we just rented a fucking van and just like literally did it with as many players as we possibly could you know so in some cities that meant like four of us sometimes it got to as many as six depending on like who all we had there you know but uh it it, Maul's project and our work together has suddenly become sort of the way that I'm able to articulate some of this like re- the, my grand that itch gets scratched to him and it's a right. weird inversion of what we're known for though because we just did really chill stoner rap like mumble rap kind of cloud rap or something you, right, know, right. you know but now it's anything but and like that last record really opened us up I think creatively into what is now what I think the Morris sound, which is just oh, like dope. I gotta keep that. So how would you articulate that then? It's like I said, it's just kind of like us coming to grips with the fact that, you know, we have all of this history and there's like so many things that we've done and the only thing that are, that is fresh is like challenging this notion that says that it's a faux pas to be on stage with a guitar. Right. Or that it's a faux pas to be on stage with like live performers doing this fucking shit. Because right. that was a real conversation that I was part of, you know? Okay. Like, smash the Beatles, fuck all these niggas type attitude and it was like I'm with it still for the most part but in a sonic sense it's like a new territory it's really fresh watching the rise of the internet watching the rise of fucking I'm talking about the band like Steve Lacey yes of course uh, Tyler the Creator to a certain degree like this whole Brent Baez like a whole bunch of these like artists no name like a lot of these artists have come and they brought this music back to the forefront and I'm just like okay so maybe this is a a way for us to sort of like scratch two itches for me to also maintain that kind of like yeah super musical music side mm-hmm. and also keep it really fresh when I know that we it would just be really easy for us just like smash rap bangers you know right so I think in, tw- in 2016 like I said we did 10 songs and we did we grabbed as many like black music tropes as we possibly could like we did a Delta Blues song okay. we did a, a Dirty Mind era Prince song mm-hmm. we did a sort of a Chief Keef meets James Blake era like trap song dope um, we did um, 
fucking as many different like sort of traditions as we possibly could right. and we realized there was still more so that's where you find me now like we're probably i think 22 songs deep on like a record really? and i think we may do it as a like a double album that touches on all that stuff as, as much as that as we possibly can like and do you think that it's is it does it all connect somehow we're making it connect via like skits and okay etc etc interesting it's like we're both inside and outside of the narrative a lot of the time like you're either catching our uh something on the radio or you're hearing something in passing um are you doing any vocals yeah yeah are you yeah yeah, i actually so am like doing what singing or rhyming or what singing i do two and three part harmonies with mom wow this the this this last newest record kind of like sprang from an idea that I had had a while ago uh-huh. of doing a community choir, and so cool. we had gotten together like a bunch of people on some like left it, uh, let every voice lift every voice and sing type yeah, shit, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we started like harmonizing with one another, and we even did like some shows like this, like uh, just doing harmonies and shit. Yeah, just like okay, yo, I think we might actually be able to nail this. This was probably like this was last year, early last year, you know singing two and three parts with Maul and other people, you know? So we kind of started recording from there, like all these choral parts, and then wow. we started rapping the music like around that. Right. Um, but yeah, I can play you obviously some of that maybe yes, when the, when the tape sure. is off, you know? How but, did you guys meet? He's, I mean, we're both from a really small town. Okay. He's from Lawrence, but he was like one of a very few young fly niggas that I knew. Okay. And, like you, would, he stood out on the street, you know? We had one street. So it's like he yes. definitely he was like really dipset. He wore all pink and he's just like his whole swag was like okay, crazy. Yes. And like we he really wanted to rap and like I'll never forget it. Like part part of what we like about each other is that we keep the story straight about like the history. Like right. a lot of our project is just like both looking forwards and backwards and we really like to try and contain that in the project. So it brought me back recently in these recording sessions to like our first recording sessions and they were coincided with the day that michael jackson died like wow. it was like i was looking at the files it was like june 25th 2009 wow. and the song is about that that i was trying to mine these samples from you know so it's like we've been working together for like a, a, a while and it's yeah. mostly just him just like freestyle and just kind of like trying to like be what he is now i guess or right some shit. so it's clicking now though yeah yeah so, <laughs> yeah so i can't wait to hear that because i because we still I, do Lucy's as a rapper thing. Like, he has his own label. Okay. He started his label, Paper Records, and we've been so, putting out, like, some uh, clout rap kind of joints that okay. do numbers on, like, Spotify. Because niggas are checking for that, like... With him as the vocalist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's what's up. And so, like, I'm producing those, too. But in the meanwhile, we're, like, moonlighting as this, like, band. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you have to be extra musical to be able to accomplish both, I think. But when you look at it, like, in, in, if you can play into both things stylistically because some of that those clout rap producers you know aren't like you know a lot of it is very some of that shit is just like those free instrumentals off youtube type shit loop shit yeah 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 like that um yeah which is there's something there's some sort of artfulness to that i think yeah it's valid yo did you listen to um uh, X's album, the new album. No, I'm not really into places. You know, you know, I'm like not yeah. really rocking with that cat. He's kind of a little. Um, he's definitely uh, type aggravating. Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> um, but I was curious, yeah, because they, because they, so I listened to it yeah. once. I've listened to it once, admittedly. Did you enjoy it? Um, there's a couple of things. I think he has an ability to harmonize uh, well as a I know singer. He's like a really, uh, people treat him like he's a super talent. 
I don't know if I would call him a super talent. He's a super troll. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I'd probably be down to play video games with him. He yeah. seems like he'd be pretty yeah. fun to play video yeah. games. With. I'd be his little shit online. Uh, what's the little singer kid that's like the 12 year old kid with a bowl cut? White kid with a bowl cut. Um, he did a song, he did a hook on it that I actually quite enjoyed. Oh, I see. Um, what's his cat? Um, oh, man, what's his name? It's Lil Something. Okay. I don't know. You wouldn't know, you would know yeah, if I said his he's name. He's white? Yeah, he has a bowl cut. He has no dreads. No, no. Uh, he might have uh, dyed his hair yeah, yeah. by now. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you 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 cut these guys a lot of slack. Yeah, I think like creatively because it's like because they are so I guess untrained musically. It's, that like, raw. it's like so raw that it's like. Okay, it's like whack, but it's so whack that I guess like the raw kind of energy is kind of a cool, I guess. That's my interpretation. Everybody feels differently, obviously. Maybe about a year ago, I like I really went in. It was like really trying to figure out what was the best, what was right. going on with it. Because I kind of was like checked out. But like now, I mean, have you ever heard uh, X... I think he comes from the same town as this guy. Like, they, like, came up together. Ski Master Slump God. Of course, yeah. I fuck with him. He's amazing. That's, like, two sides of the same coin, though. Like, Yes. I, and he's, like, a, I think he's actually got the torch. Or have you heard? Yeah, he's a beast vocally, too. I like Crazy. His, I like his... Like, he's a rapper. Out. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's a rapper. Yeah, so I can engage with that, for sure. Have you heard Pierre Bourne? Um, no, that's not the producer, though. He is a producer. That's he the guy that does Playboy Cardi, though. You're yes. right, yes. yes. But he is, he's an artist, rapper, too. I've never really checked his rap. He's, much, he's the next Kanye West. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down, I'm calling okay. it. He's already worked with Kanye. Kanye summoned him out to the Wyoming Jackson Hole situation for yes. his next shit. You so haven't he, got the, the text yet? No, shit. that text is never coming. <laughs> you don't think so? No. You don't think eventually it would come around and try to tap you for something? No, I don't okay. think so. I don't, I don't think I'm like the type of artist that Kanye is like looking for like yeah. he seems like the type of I don't even know how to put it but just like I don't have like the shock and awe aspect right, you know? right, right. Yeah. I think he's I like... he's much more on like this kind of like fresh the guy that comes at the party he's not dressed right for the party he's like why are you even here type guy right, right, right. like I've been at the party too long at that point but <laughs> um, like right. I know what to wear <laughs> right, right. Um, but at the same time it's also like he ain't the biggest fish in the sea at the no. point, at this point, you know, I mean, he calls the shots in certain circles in terms of like culture, but yeah, musically, I think he may have like uh, strayed from his uh, path a while ago, but he is a great, perhaps um, like a cultural barometer or something. Yeah, maybe curator. He he can give probably pretty good direction to the people that work around him. You know, he can probably pretty good at barking orders yeah, at people because he's got a whole machine behind him yeah yeah Down and there. be like yo what you, what's on your computer let me get whatever you got yeah. you know type shit what are you into because look at Jesus which I thought was a, a pretty brilliant album but Best. it's like <laughs> the, I also like um, uh, you know nachos grande to eat yeah exactly know? and those are pretty comparable because there's a lot of different ingredients yeah in that, true you know what I'm saying? that was an analogy I just thought no, of I get, top it, of my head. I get and it this is probably a better one like paella might be better or some shit yeah, comes up Yes, Gumbo is a yeah. popular one, yes. Yeah. So, where it's like, and th- some of those guys were, are your contemporaries, too, that were on that yeah, joint. For know? sure. A little bit, Arca, of course, there was a same moment, era. There was a moment when I was feeling like I was watching that lightning strike get closer and closer to me, you know? Right. But, like I said, as time has moved on, I don't know. It's like yeah, nor is that like a, 
is that required for any kind of it's like true. validation of? But on on Kanye's side, he did it so many times where it was like he got the guy like the coolest guys that nobody had heard of. That it was almost like lost. It's like it's cool factor, you know, that he right. would have. Of course, he's got somebody who knows what the fuck is cool all right. the time. Like right. Kanye West. Right. I remember when they when he tapped Arca and Hudson Mohawk and these guys. Right. It was like, ooh, yeah. How to do? Ooh, you know. Right. And now it's like. It's like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, duh. And that becomes his own trope that he may end up getting kind of trapped into yeah. a little bit. You know? Drake is maybe in that spot where that's where he should be trying to do that. You right. know? Even he does do that. Like, he taps, like, More South African vocals. artists and yeah, right. like this, people right. who are, like, et cetera, you know? Right, right, right. But Yeah. We can go long on that side, yeah, yeah, too. Totally. Bagging on major label. <laughs> Catherine, too much... Money to spend, I guess. Yeah, to make it perfect. Yeah, get, like, but but I mean, the, but to bring it back to you, which you know, I think to be able to accomplish a lot of stuff where you're just sort of like a self-run business at this point in time. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, let's go for one hundred percent. What do you? Uh, so what's so the the thing with Mall is like the this is this year's yeah. kind of project. Yeah, right? I feel like the la- like we got off tour in 2016 and it was like such an undertaking, just like. Putting it all together, yeah. putting the city, putting the shows together, getting the record out. We got some good reviews and shit like this, like all by ourselves. Right. It was like okay, but I saw we were where we were deficient, and I knew that it was going to take us at least another year to be able to like rally to like get it together. So that was 2016. Now we're into 2018, and I think we got we've gotten far enough in the project that it became clear to me also that it's like it would be so much of a curveball, even considering what we've done, that I have to really like pivot maybe everything that I'm doing around this like character rather than like trying to for better or for worse just being the music guy maybe right. more full time rather than moonlighting is like this band kind of thing right getting out of the, the Ableton beat world or whatever and using the mall and Morris kind of thing to kind of like just open me up into that because the right. reception was right and it was really what I wanted to be doing right and the friends that I was playing it for like people who were up close other like producers and shit like the okay. singers are hearing my sound my new sound and they're reverberating to it too so suddenly the phone's call I'm getting the phone call like yo right. you wanna come at work with XYZ again I'm like that's very right. interesting it's been a while but yeah. this is what perked them up so interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm really really hoping that you know it would be a major win from for Team Morris but also for Team Bear Club for just like the hometown team yeah cause it, this is like your dude too from that era for sure know? but it also embodies kinda like what I'm hoping will be just like the it No more. I don't have to shape shift anymore. I can just be the person that I really want to be musically, which is just, I guess, somebody who can do it all, but just this really musical person. I'm not having to tuck my chain in when I come around these like cloud rappers being like, yo, here's my beats, bro. You know, or whatever, you know? Yeah. People just be able to understand it and it's for its own merit. Right. (laughs) You know? Well, I think it's it's definitely cool that we can kind of like take a little snapshot of of this as of right now because it's like your career is still got you still have many miles to go i hope so yeah yeah i think so for sure you're like a young man (laughs) like and uh and you've done a lot even from that 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 one chapter from when we were working together around debut is definitely representative just like this one stage i think you know sure that's obviously it's evolved into a new thing in a way you would agree perhaps for sure. Yeah. And, and it will probably continue to, hopefully, too. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So, I fuck with that. And I'm... This type of guy I am. Yes. And that's <laughs> why I, I just respect you a lot as a musician and producer. So, I was, I'm 
wanted to, while I was here running around in LA, I wanted to be able to try and catch you. You're not an easy dude to pin down. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. So, anyway, much continued success, man. Thank you so much, too. And, um, you know, I actually checked for this podcast. So it's like, that, oh, this is, is like that? a big thing for me. <laughs> this is like a That's big deal. Up, this uh, is a big deal for me. So it's maybe, uh, <laughs> yes, well, you, yeah, you're in some good company too. Yeah. And maybe at the end of the show, might I might be able to splash out some of this new shit too. Oh, perhaps, yeah. If that's okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what's up. Yeah. Cool. No Thank doubt. you, man. appreciate it. Thank you. All right, cool. Yes. Big up to Morris. I'm so glad that we did that. You've been listening to the Houseless Podcast. My name is Peter Agassi. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that repost button if you have a SoundCloud account. Even if you listen on iTunes, go log into that old Sound SoundCloud account when you used to be making beats and just hit that repost button. You never know. And go to the Bandcamp, BCMG Bandcamp. Pop Morris is a dope little mix series that he has. Many great releases and stuff. But I'm going to end the show with this song, Two Chills. Too much. This shit is too much. But for all the people that, like, smoke weed and sit on the couch and, like, go to the farmer's market and, like, date, go on dates, I don't know, or just with your friend zone type people, this song is especially crafted for you. It's on that Bandcamp page, too. I bought it. So should you. Um, don't forget to hit a little donation into our SoundCloud page. You, you can find it. It will go a long way. Listener-supported podcast. That's me, Peter Gossin, with the Houseless Podcast. Every week, sometimes twice a week, every episode is edited and engineered by CJ Stewart. This is always off the top of the dome. You know what I'm saying? This is a freestyle type of thing. This whole show is. So I appreciate you, uh, you guys engaging with us, spending just a little bit of time listening I go out of my way to make these joints just for you guys, so it's super appreciated. Um, a couple of people here and there a week be writing me on different platforms, and uh, I really, really appreciate that. When someone takes the time just to be like, yo, I like the show, it's cool. I said, that's chill. Um, <laughs> let's just get it. Let's get into this. I might let it ride the whole way. I might fade it out the very, very end, but... Um, Alright, cool. Have a great summer, everyone. I'm not going anywhere. Enjoy the warm weather. It was a beautiful day here in New York. You know what I'm saying? Don't forget to subscribe. And I'll check you guys on the next one. Peace, y'all. I'm out. You made it. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke. She wanna she said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She wanna smoke. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. Okay. She said she needs some time for her to heal. Respect. I said I know exactly how you feel. Damn, she kinda cute and she real. Oh my god. Damn, her booty's big, but it's chill. Oh my god. Damn, I'm hella stoned, but it's chill. Oh my god. She keep looking at me long, but it's chill. That's chill. Yo, somebody spilled a bump, but it's chill. That's chill. Whoa. You're super chill. Thank you. You're really sweet. Tight. That's cool. Whoa. You're super chill. Thank you. You're a good friend. Tight. Really cool. Oh my god. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. 
She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She wanna smoke. Damn, she kinda cute and she thick. Pop another glass of champagne. Okay. Damn, she pop jokes and talk shit. Oh, you got jokes? Somebody gonna have to get the kiss. Oh my gosh. Your friends are super cool. Stop it. You're just some. I just thought of something. Wait, what was it? Oh my gosh. You're fucking some. Low key. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She wanna smoke. Whoa, you're super chill. Thank you. You're really sweet. Tight, that's cool. Whoa, you're super chill. Thank you. You're a good friend. Tight. Really cool. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She said she wanna smoke, she wanna chill. She wanna smoke, she wanna chill.